and uh, Jeremiah uh, shares some things in the first chapter. You don't have to go there, but in the eighth verse, God speaks to Jeremiah and says some incredible things and tells Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I ordained you. And of course, the uh, theological question there is, if God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was in the womb, where was Jeremiah before he was in the womb? Uh, That's an interesting question. I have my own thoughts, my own theology, and that's all that is. I think I can walk you through the scripture and show you that you existed before you were born and you were in the presence of God in a place called heaven. I just believe that you're one of the stars uh, of the sky, that uh, God has a name for everyone. But God told Jeremiah, I have called you to be a prophet to the nation. And Jeremiah said, I'm just a child. I'm just, I'm just, and God said, don't say anymore that you're a child. And the Bible says that God put his word in Jeremiah's mouth. And what a blessing to have God's word in your mouth. We talked last week about speaking the word of God, praying the word of God, reminding God of his word. In Chronicles 20 and 20, when the people of God, Jehoshaphat, was under attack, uh, there was a psalmist that called the, the congregation together and began to sing a song unto the Lord. And that song he began to sing to the Lord, David, was reminding God how he spared Noah, reminding God how he brought the children out of bondage, reminding God of all the things that he had already done. And then the the psalmist says, by the way, Lord, we need your help again. So when you walk through the Bible and you see all the things that God has done, we remind him of of the things he's done for others. And then we remind him, you're no respecter of persons. If you did it for them, you will do it for us. And aren't you glad this morning that God is here doing stuff for you? God has stuff for you. God's brought stuff for you. God has things for you to do and things for you to be a part of. In Jeremiah, the uh, second chapter, the 32nd verse, I don't know uh, that I remember reading this. Uh, I've read the Bible through several times, but I don't remember reading this. I don't know that I've ever taken a thought from this particular scripture But I found some interesting thoughts in Jeremiah, the second chapter, and the 32nd verse. Can a maid forget her ornaments or her jewelry, or a bride her attire or her wedding gown? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Can a woman lose her jewelry? Will a woman forget her wedding dress? And I'm assuming those are both no answers. But you have forgotten me many days. And this morning for a few minutes, I'd like to talk about the thought of don't forget. Don't forget. And I know from this pulpit, almost every week you're you're reminded, forgetting those things which are behind. So there are things that are necessary for you to forget. There are thought processes that it's necessary for you to cast down and arrest. But there are things in the Word of God that God says, I want you to remember. 
there was an elderly couple growing old together and things had got to a place where they started losing everything and forgetting everything, so they decided to write everything down. Uh, that night before they went to bed, the wife asked her husband for a bowl of ice cream. He said, I'll get it for you. She said, you better write it down. He said, it's just a bowl of ice cream. Went to the kitchen. 20 minutes later, he came back with eggs and bacon, a glass of milk, and a cup of coffee. And she said, I told you to write it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> okay, you got it. See, I wasn't sure if you were going to get that or not, because that's one of those two-part jokes that you're going to really, you forgot the toast. When I think about the things that we forget almost daily, I mean, how many times a day do you lose your cell phone? I lost my phone the other day. I promise you, I was looking for my cell phone, and I was on it. I was talking to Pastor John, and I'm on the cell phone looking for my cell phone. I know nobody ever does that. Car keys. I have three sets of car keys, and two of them right now, I have absolutely no idea where they are. Ink pen, glasses. I get to a place where I stop looking for my glasses. I just go back to Dollar Tree and buy three or four pair and stick them in different places so I'll have them. But what the sad thing of it is, I forget where I hide stuff. Can anybody relate? There, there are things in my life that I cannot find. I know they're there. I know they didn't walk off. I know someone didn't take them because I hid them, but I can't remember where I hid them. I think about we forget umbrellas on, on a rainy day. We forget our kids, and sometimes I think we do that on purpose. Uh, we, we forget uh, a lot of times at a, at a wedding. I've done a lot of weddings, and there have been those that uh, have forgotten their tucks or they've forgotten their shoes. But I've never been to a wedding where the bride forgot her gown, ever. That's never happened. Uh, Pastor Rhonda has different places where she stores her jewelry. But I know that most of the girls are the same. You sometimes will pick your outfit to match your jewelry instead of picking your jewelry to match your... Can I, can I get a wave, a yes? Am I, on the right, am I on the right track here? A woman does not forget her jewelry, and a bride does not forget her wedding gown Yet, if we're not careful, we can come to a place in our life where we forget God. Exodus 20 and 8, we're reminded, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is so easy to get caught up in the cycle of life and going to work and making a living. It's so easy to get caught up in just one day rolls over into the next. The next thing you know, you're not just working Saturday, you're working Sunday uh, you're working every day of the week, and you're trying to pay the bills, and you're trying to get ahead, and you forget the fact that Sunday is the day that God has given us to rest and recover and celebrate Him. Sunday is the day that we come to the house of God. We bring three things. We bring our worship. We bring our tithe. We bring our testimony. We bring those things to the house of God, and that's something that we do on Sunday. But it's easy sometimes to get so caught up in life that we're working Sunday just like it was a Saturday or a Friday. Uh, I'll be very careful what I say, and there's no one, there's no one here this morning that I'm, I'm talking about, but in the, 29, or, or in the 33 years of being a father, uh, there's some things that uh, my kids didn't ask to do, but there's some things that I would not allow my kids to do. And one of those things I would not allow my kids to do was to take a job that kept them out of the house of God on Wednesday 
and Sunday. That's something that we've, we've never done. Christine's never got a job that she missed a Sunday or a Wednesday. Courtney never had a job that she missed Sunday or Wednesday. I raised the kids that when the church doors were open, they were there. And I, I'm pleased to tell you, probably not to my good, but to Pastor Rhonda's good, we've raised two very healthy children. They love the Lord. They're focused. Their priorities are in order. They fast. They pray. They journal. They worship. They praise. Courtney's over the youth. Christine's a part of the dance team at Remnant, part of the worship team here. And my children have brought me much joy. But my children never miss the house of God. They never miss the worship opportunities. They never miss the word. And it's, it's scary that when you raise a child up in the way that he or she should go, they may depart for a season, but they're going to come back. They're going to come back. And God is, telling, God is telling us, reminding us, don't get so caught up in life. I mean, it's crazy that we will have a storm from hell and we still make it to Walmart, but you let it drizzle on Sunday morning and the roads are too dangerous to drive. Do I have a... Uh, let me quit. I'm ahead. You're here. I'm not fussing at you. You're here. But it's, it's so like the enemy to throw things in our path on a Saturday night. Things will happen. Company will come in. There'll be this. There'll be that. This will take place. Sunday morning, we decide, you know, I think I'll just sleep in and, you know, I'll, I'll send up a prayer and I'll, I'll sing a chorus. But I think this Sunday, I'll just sleep in. So you go to the church of the bed springs and the pastor pillow is your prophet, your pastor. So there you have it. But God said, one thing I don't want you to forget, don't forget Sunday. Don't forget slowing down, resting, refreshing, hearing from me. We had Sunday night service for about, probably about 25 years. And the Lord dealt with me. And the Lord said, I really want you to make Sunday night all about family, all about, all about your children, all about your parents. And so we stopped having Sunday night service. And so Sunday night is a, is a night where the family stays in, family stays together. When kids were younger, we'd watch something on TV. We would do something together. Now they've got boyfriends and all of that. And husbands, they go all different directions. And we don't see them like we used to see them. But Sunday is the day of rest. And the Lord said, please don't forget me. Don't forget my yes. Sabbath. In Deuteronomy 6 and 12, it says, be careful that you don't forget the God that brought you out of Egypt, that brought you out of slavery. We'll talk about that a little later in the message. Don't forget where God has brought you from to where you are now. The song that says, if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, can anybody relate? If we'd have stayed on the path that we were on, we'd have wound up in the hospital, addicted, in jail, in prison, alone, lost and undone without God or his son. But aren't you glad this morning that God found you, placed you where you needed to be, and you can rejoice in that. And he said, don't forget the, the bondage I brought you out of. Don't forget the addictions I brought you out of. Don't forget the, path, the, the hurtful things of yesterday that I brought you out of. Don't forget those things. First Chronicles 16 and 12 said, remember his words. Remember his words. What is God speaking over you? What is God saying to you? God told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I had a purpose and a plan for your life. I've ordained you and I put my words in your mouth. David said in Psalm 63, 6 and 7, he said, on my bed do I remember thee. The night hours when your head hits the pillow. You take a moment or two to reflect that God allowed you to live that day. God allowed you to survive that day. 
I went to see Dad for a couple of days, and I, I was just counting just for the fun of it. And there were seven different times coming from uh, Mount Dora, Florida, Eustis, Florida, to Cleveland, Tennessee. There were seven different times. Had I not been driving defensively, I would have been in a wreck. There are idiots out there. There are people that have driver's license that have absolutely no, no, they, they should have never got their license. And when they get behind that wheel, they turn into a monster and they turn into a dictator and they turn into a, a cruel warlord where they own the road and they'll change lanes without a, a signal or they'll pull out in front of you or they'll do this or, the, or they do that. And God said, David said, on my bed to remember what God did for me today and what God blessed me with. Ecclesiastes 12 and 1 says, remember God, your creator. When we're reminded of where we came from, we didn't evolve out of something that crawled out of the ocean, but God went to a lot of trouble to put us together, to build us, and let us have our life. And if, and if you uh, have ever studied, I don't, biology is not the word I'm looking for, physiology is not the word I'm looking for, but anatomy would be a good word. When you study the human body and you study the different systems in your body and you, and you begin to isolate them and do homework on them, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God said, don't forget that you are my masterpiece. You were created in my image. It's scary that God took a mirror and created you as a resemblance of himself. And that is awesome. That is phenomenal. Look to your left, look to your right and say, God, don't make junk. God made you, and don't forget it. I remember in Luke 22 and 19, and something that we practice quite a bit here, is uh, before Jesus went to the cross, he brought the disciples together, and he took the bread and he broke it, and then he took the, ju he took the juice, and they dipped the bread in the wine, the juice, and Jesus said, do this ought in remembrance of me. I have people in my life that take communion every single day. As a child growing up, our communion, there was this silver tray, and it had little tiny holes in it, and you set these little, little, little plastic containers in there, and then they had another tray with what looked like chiclets, looked like chiclets gum, and uh, we were told that if there was sin in our life, we would take that, and it would kill us, and we would die and go to hell, and everybody would repent before communion, and some people wouldn't take communion because they didn't repent. But I remember we would take that little chiclet and we would take that little container, not realizing that that broken bread represents our brokenness and that juice represents the blood of Jesus. And when you take that which is broken and you dip it in that juice, there is life and there's restoration and there's healing. In Luke 22 and 16, Jesus said, do this off in remembrance of me. And we try several times in the year to do the Eucharist, which means the body of Christ. We, 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 do, the, we do the communion. We, we didn't get the little chiclets. I didn't know they sell them anymore. And we didn't, it was too hard to wash those little cups every time so we'd have them for the next time. How many believes that we actually, three, washed the cup? And so we went to the bread and the, and the goblet, and, and it works. Do this oft in remembrance of me. In 1 John 5 and 14, said, well, let me back up and just say this. When you... Uh, begin to remember there are five areas I want to encourage you not to forget God in, okay, if you're taking notes. The first area that I want you to not forget God in is in your past, is in your past. And we've reflected on that. As we look to where we were yesterday and where we were the day before, and we see the investment that God has made in our life, we rejoice in that. 
We had in the Church of God, uh, a, a Wednesday night, we had what was called testimony service, and everybody stood up. Not, not everybody, but many would take a moment, and we all said the same thing. I thank God that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. That was pretty much the opening line. And then we would take a moment and we would tell the congregation of something that God did and something that God blessed us with and what God had taken care of. Always remember to give God thanks for where he brought you from and thank him to where you're going. Don't forget God in your past. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. David said here in a psalm, don't forget the Lord and remember his benefits. There's something about a job. A job is a job. It's a great job. But it's the benefits that makes the job better. Do you have a friend in the house? Some of us have a job. There's no insurance. I happen to be a registered, as is, as is uh, Courtney and Christine, I happen to be a registered Creek Indian. And because I am a registered Creek Indian, there are 80,000 of us uh, in America. And uh, we forgive your people for what you did to our people. <laughs> and uh, we don't take scalps anymore, but we do take the chunk of change that the government gives the American Indian uh, I do not pay for any uh, medical bill whatsoever. I can go to a doctor. I can have any, anything that would happen. Uh, there's no bill. My insurance takes care of it. Takes care of if they give me a prescription for something. Takes care of, of of a lot of that. That is benefit. Some of you have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Some of you have vacation. Some of you have sick days. Some of you have, and those are all the benefits that come with your job. And David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His first benefit is he forgives all your iniquities. Not just 70%, not just 90%, but every single sin that you've ever committed or will commit, you are forgiven that the blood of Jesus has forgiven you of all your mistakes and all your failures and all of your sin. Does that please anybody in the house today? Go ahead and give the Lord. And then he says who healeth all thy diseases. Not just a few, not just some, but all. God's blood, the fountain filled with blood, has the ability to heal you of every single sickness, every single disease, everything that can come against you. God's word says don't forget his ability to heal all your diseases. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Don't forget the fact that you have been redeemed. I've shared with you when I was a child growing up, when you went to the grocery store, and you paid for your groceries, you were given, uh, we were given blue chip stamps. I think there was some green, green chip stamps, but they would give you a page or two, and then you could get a little booklet, and then you would, you would put the, the stamps in this little booklet, and when you got that book full, it allowed you to go to their store, and they had all kinds of things. You could get a pocket knife, you could get a, a swimming pool, uh, all, all kinds of things that you could get, but you had to have the blue chip stamps to redeem the gift. And that's exactly what Jesus did with his blood. Because he redeemed you with his blood, you're entitled to all the gifts, all the favors, all the blessings, all the promises of God are yours because he redeemed you from destruction and has given you everlasting life. Does that excite anybody in this house? I know that we are a church of crowns. Uh, I think someone's get ready to get a tattoo of a crown. We see crowns on Queen for a Day. 
Uh, you'll see crowns in our office. And the, the Bible says that God has crowned you with a crown, that you are deity, that you are royal, that you are holy, that you're sons and daughters of the Most High God, that you're a part of the church and God has placed a crown on your forehead. And one day when we stand before God, we will take our crown off and we will lay it at the feet of Jesus. But everyone in this house today, you're a king, you're a prince, you're a princess, you're a queen. God has made you royalty. You're not just stuff. You're God's stuff. And God ordains you and declares that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation that should follow after him. Does that incite anybody in this house? And then it said, satisfy thy mouth with good things so that the youth is renewed like the eagle. You all know the story of the eagle. When he gets torn and battered, he will go to that rock and he will remove the feathers from his bosom. He will take his talons and break off the old crust. And then he will wait and he'll drink water. And he'll eat honey. And in that season, the wings begin to grow back stronger, thicker. The talons are more powerful. They're sharper. And he will be renewed. And that's exactly what God's word says. I'm going to put stuff in your mouth that's going to satisfy you. And it's going to allow you to be renewed, regeneration, regenerated, reprocessed, give you another chance, another opportunity. We can't start over, but we can start again. We can say, I'm going to pick it up right here and I'm going to go forward and I'm going to walk in all that God has for me and I'm going to walk in satisfaction. I am going to be satisfied with the things and the blessings of God. We, said, we try to satisfy ourselves with stuff, with knowledge, with money, with jewelry. But the song says, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. There's a void in your life that will only be filled spiritually with the things of God. And then when you are ministered to spiritually, everything else falls into place. John said, I wish above all things that I'm prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospereth. The more your soul grows, the more your soul gets close to the things of God, the more prosperity, favor, and blessing you will walk in because you begin to expect the promises of God to chase you down. The Bible says, I'll allow my blessings to chase you down and overwhelm you. I believe some of you are in a place right now where God's about to overwhelm you with good stuff. Our best days are ahead. God's plan for your life is ahead. It's still there. Don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep shoving because God's going to bring it to pass. Amen. Don't forget God in your past. The second thing I want to bring to your attention is don't forget, don't forget God in your predicament. The story of Job is incredible. Moses killed an Egyptian soldier, went into hiding for 40 years. In that 40-year window, he met Job, heard Job's story, saw Job's testimony, wrote it down. Job is probably the first book in the Bible, or the first book that we were given. Later, Moses will write the law, the five books of the Pentateuch. But Moses began to document Job's testimony. Job was a man that loved God. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser. And one day, the devil told God, or God told the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, yeah, he's blessed, he's prosperous, but you've got a hedge around him. I can't touch him. He said, you remove the hedge and let me mess with him. He'll curse you and he'll denounce you. And so we know the test. Job lost his wealth. He lost his income. His 10 children were killed in a storm. His wife lost her faith. 
Job got deathly sick, yet in all of that, Job did not. The Bible says that Job, in 1 and 21, Job did not sin. Job did not blame God, but Job said, Naked I came into this world, and naked I shall depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord, from dust to dust, from earth to earth. And so Job realizes that whatever he's going through, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. In Job 19 and 25, in Job 17 and 15, he said, though he slay me, still I will trust him. Job never threw in the towel. He never gave up. He never cursed God. And when the test was over, look at somebody and say, and when the test was over, God gave Job double everything that he, lo- that he, that he lost. Ten more children, twice the wealth. And the Bible says that Job lived several generations to see his great-grandchildren because God's hand was on Job's life because he was a praiser, he was a worshiper, and he was a giver. But a lot of bad stuff happened to him. And it's easy sometimes if we're not careful. And I've, I have talked to people that blame God for their divorce, they blame God for their tragedy, or they blame God. I have a, I'll be very careful what I say, uh, I have someone in my life that I'm ministering to. I never mentioned the word God. He doesn't believe in God. I never mentioned the word Jesus. He doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. But the Lord has opened the door for me in a tragedy. The Lord has opened the door for me to begin to Facebook message him and to encourage him. And uh, when his son was incarcerated and went through some bad stuff, uh, I began to communicate with the son in prison. And then when the son was released, I sent a little bit of money to help the son get back on his feet. And, you know, that's the way that God works. Sometimes we can't, we can't shove the gospel down their throat, but we can live the gospel. But in a tough time, he lost, he lost his daughter at a very young age, and he blames God. He blames, he blames God. And there are people in my life that would say, how could God allow there to be a hell? How could God allow this, and how could God allow that? So a lot of times, in bad times, there are people that blame God and turn their back on God and walk away. But, but the Bible says, don't forget God in your predicament. Because he said, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. The third thing that you need to remember not to forget God is don't forget God in your prosperity. Deuteronomy, God said, don't forget me because I give you the power to get wealth. If we're not careful, we'll get focused on stuff. And the things of God will become insignificant and unimportant as we focus on how can we get more. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And that was, if you've been to Israel, there are gates there that are called the eye of the needle. And for the camel to go through, he has to get on his knees and he has to make his way through the eye of the needle. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to go to heaven. Because they, not because there's a sin in being rich, but they make money their God. They make stuff their God. God said in Deuteronomy, don't forget me because I'm the one that gave you that ability to make that happen, to get that job, to prosper, to be blessed. Don't forget me in your prosperity. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. I'm reminded of Noah. Noah obeyed the Lord. He built the ark. You know the story. He survived. And Romans, I'm sorry, in Genesis 8 and 1, it says this, this little phrase right here. And the Lord remembered Noah. Aren't you glad as we don't forget God, he doesn't forget us. God allowed the ark to rest safely, allowed the waters to uh, decrease, to diminish. 
And then we know that, that Noah got out, and the Bible says he built an altar unto God. And as he took that which was his, and he sacrificed and gave it to God, the Bible says that aroma went up to heaven and got the attention of God. God honors your sacrifice. God honors your tithe. God honors your offering. Honor that sacrifice. And God said, because of this sacrifice, I will never destroy the earth again. From this day forward, there'll be seed, time, and harvest. There'll be morning and night. There will be the, the seasons. And so God operates. He's the God of the season. Whatever your season it is, if it's a great season, rejoice. If it's a bad season, know that this season is coming to closure and a new season is about to be birthed in your life. Do I have a friend in the house to, 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 that, could, that could receive that? I know one day that Jesus was in the tabernacle. He was watching the offering. And the Bible says it was a wealthy man came and gave a lot. And the Bible says a little widow slipped two pieces of, of, of coin in the offering. And Jesus stops and brings attention to this offering. I want you to see this offering. It cost her to give. It, cost, it was a sacrifice for her to give. The wealthy man, it didn't cost him anything. But this right here, it cost her. When we're faithful supporting the things of God and financing the things of God, it's costly. It's costly. When you think about doing what God's called you to do and being what God wants you to be, it's costly. But I believe there will be a day when we will stand before God and we will hear him say, well done, you're good and faithful servant. You are faithful over the little. I'll make you ruler over many. Malachi 3, God said, don't forget me to prove me. Several years ago, I don't even remember who it was, but several years ago, there was a leader at Harvest and he wasn't tithing. And so I made an appointment with him. We went and got a, a snack or a cup of coffee, whatever we did. And I said, hey, what's, what's happening here? I said, uh, uh, you're in leadership, and we're raising you up, and you're leading the people, but you're not tithing. And he said, well, he said, I can't afford to tithe. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I said, I challenge you. Tithe for three months. And at the, if at the end of three months you don't see some kind of breakthrough, the church will re reimburse every dime that you gave the church in three months. So he started tithing. At the end of three months, he stood and told the church how many doors had opened, how many things had happened, the blessings of God, the favor of God. That's one of the things we learned early in life. You can't outgive God. You can't beat God. His bucket is bigger than your bucket. His shovel is bigger than your shovel. He wants to overwhelm you with favor and blessing. And all we have to do is to be obedient. Am I talking to anybody in the house this morning? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, says, Whosoever soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. Whosoever show bountifully shall reap bountifully. For the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. I'm telling you, if you whine and cry and bawl and squall every time you do something good for somebody else and it costs you, stop doing it. Because you're not going to get the blessing that's attached to honoring what God has given you. But when you come cheerfully, hilariously, and especially in the first year when you get a statement from the church and you look at that, that you're, you're giving, it, you almost freak out. I gave that much to the church? Wow. And I still had enough left over to do what I needed to do? That's exactly the way the Lord works. I remember, I don't remember this businessman either, but we had a, an opportunity where an offering was taken and a particular businessman sold $100. And a couple of days later, he met with me and said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, I sold that $100. I really didn't have it. And then I got $1,000 in the mail. Can you believe it? And here's what I said. I said, that's awesome. I said, now what's going to happen when you sow the 1000 
He got real quiet on me. And unless he sewed it somewhere else, he never sewed it. See, you, you can take baby steps. How many ever played the, the game Mother May I? And how many knows the only way to go forward you had to say Mother May I? If you forgot to say Mother May I, you went all the way to the back. But Mother May I, you could take baby steps. You could take huge steps. You could take leaps. And so when you operate in baby steps and in, 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 in tithing and supporting the kingdom of God, God begins to place you in areas that you can look back and see where God brought you through. The blessings that you didn't even realize came from him, but he always takes care of his children. I like that song that says, of things that I love and hold dear to my heart. They're just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my day. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Roll back the curtain of memories now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I am today. Remember I'm humans and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Don't forget God in your plans. How many planners do we have in the house? I'm telling you, Pastor Rhonda is a planner. If she's going to New York City, she has plans. If she's going to work out, she has plans. She has a list of plans. She plans to do this. She plans to do that. But there's some things that we did not plan. We did not plan children. That was not something we did not sit down and say, okay, if we have a child, we're going to have to add this room by this stroller. We're going to have college. We're going to have this. We're going to have... How many, how many here, and you don't have to lift your hand, but how many here sat down and talked about it before you had kids? Probably Chris did. But, but, we, but, but we, we did, and Chris kind of did the courtesy right here. And I, I commend that. But I am not a planner. And the girls will tell you they get frustrated because I'll come in and say, hey, let's run to Vizzoli's. Well, no, we, gotta, we got the stuff we got to do to go to Vizzoli. We got to, no, we can't, we can't. My attitude is, hey, let's run, let's run to Chattanooga and check. Let's, let's, go, let's go to Atlanta. Let's go here. Let's go there. I'm not a planner. But there are people in my, in my life that are planners, and thank God for them. So, we, so we, we plan for college. We plan for a career. We plan for a family. We plan for ministry. God said, whatever you do, don't forget me in your plans. Jeremiah 29 11, we all know that scripture. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. Plans to bless you and to give you an expected end. That, that, that's the plans that God has in your life. I don't, I don't think necessarily there's a plan A, there's a plan B, but I believe that God's plan is the best plan for your life. Do I have a friend in the house? Amen. So we don't forget God in our past. We don't forget God in our predicament. We don't forget God in our prosperity, and we don't forget God in our plans. And the fifth P I want to add there is don't forget God in your praise. Don't just systematically go through the opportunities of worship. Think about what you're saying. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you are declaring. There's somewhere in the scripture, I believe it's in, um, Paul said it somewhere, that we're going to come to a place in our life where we're going to have the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In Matthew 15 and 1, Jesus talked about worship. said they're going to worship me in spirit and truth. They worship me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. When we have opportunity 
to worship and we have opportunity to praise, take advantage of that. Probably Sunday morning is probably one of the only corporate times that some of you go out Tuesday night, some of you do other things, and you're able to be under a corporate anointing. But there's a corporate anointing attached to praise, a corporate anointing attached to worship. And what is so cool about God, when he, when he sloshes the blessings out, you may not be all that perfect, you may not be doing all that great, but you're a candidate for that sloshing because God always sends enough to meet the need of one and, and to provide that person to meet the need of another. Does that make sense to anybody in the house? Be consistent in your praise. Be consistent in your worship. David concludes the, the book of Psalms, the 150th chapter, with these words. Praise ye the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the ferment of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent deeds. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him upon the timbrel and dance. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbal. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house this morning? God is good. And we try to, re we try to remember that goodness and we try to extend that goodness to others. And so this week, allow God to use you. Allow God to use you in a widow's life. Allow God to use you in an orphan's life. You say, well, I never had kids. We have uh, single moms in this house that have kids that they need someone to take their kids fishing. Say, well, I've got a bunch of spare time. I don't know what to do. Well, come wash the windows at the church. Pull the weeds in the, in the Japanese garden. Get involved. Find out. Don't just assume it's being taken care of. God puts a burden in your heart to do something. Go after it. Go for it. And expect him again. If it's God's will... It's God's bill. He speaks to you to do something incredible. He will, I promise you, he will finance. I think some of us are living on the, the minimum when God wants us to operate in the maximum. And as he honors our faithfulness and opens those doors, go out, leave this place expecting somewhere in your plans for the day, for the week, for God to bless. God, honor your word. Let your word be life, let your word come to pass, let your word be embedded in our heart. Let us hear this word and let us...